Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Poolside Pass podcast for coaches. Um, apologies, it's a little bit late going up this week. Um, I've had a few technical difficulties with my Wi-Fi and being able to get this episode live for you. I only got Wi-Fi back online on yesterday and Wednesday. Um, but here it is, episode nine of the Poolside Pass. They're going to be speaking to Joel Fink from the Bath National Centre um, about coaching 200 and 400 meter freestylers. Before we get into the episode, just a quick line from our sponsors, Streamlined. Become a qualified swimming teacher with Streamlined in as little as six days. Learn at your own pace and be guided by our expert tutors. You can do your training face-to-face, online in real time, or a combination of the two. Assessment can be in your club using videos or attending one of our assessment venues. We offer tailored, high-quality support. Quote the poolside pass for an extra 10% discount. Okay, so I think it's about time I introduce Joel to the podcast. Joel, welcome. How are you? Yeah, I'm really well, thanks, Jamie. How are you? Yes, not too bad, thanks. Um, why don't we just start with getting a little bit um, of background from yourself, how you got into swimming and, and coaching? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I uh, obviously am from Australia, uh, hence the, the accent. And uh, look, I, I, I was a swimmer myself uh, when I was a kid. And I wasn't any good. Uh, you know, I, I, I was very fortunate. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the tale of my life is that I've been very fortunate. Uh, but I, I was fortunate to be in a great club program in, in Australia. And uh, it was a program that had produced uh, volumes of Olympians and Olympic medalists and Olympic champions. And, uh, and I mean, I, I was nowhere near that level but uh but I, I did get the opportunity to to train with and, and become friends with uh with a lot of those guys who who did do that and uh, uh you know I, I was a swimmer for i don't know 10 years or so and uh, uh i was really good at coming sixth uh, you know if 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 there'd been a medal you know at the school carnival there was occasionally a, a little ribbon or something for coming sick but uh I was I was really good at that, uh, and so after my career of coming sick, I uh, I, I left swimming and uh, went to university and uh, uh, did a couple of degrees in various things. And uh, off the back of that, uh, as I was sort of doing a little bit further uh, university education, uh, the guy who was sort of my last coach when I was a swimmer uh, gave me a call and said, "Hey." uh you know do you want to do you want to come and do some coaching and and at the time i, I really sort of thought no i i really don't want to do that uh i, I want to do something else you know i've done that for i've been involved in swimming for a long time and uh uh you know i, I was probably more driving towards a, a more academic career and uh and, and going that way uh but anyway, I, this guy said, hey, would you just help me out for a week? I've got a coach who's off uh, on holiday for a week. And, you know, would, would you come back and help me out for a week? And that, that was the same club that I'd swam at for, for 10 years and the whole thing. And I said, yeah, of course, you know, just to help out, I'll come back for a week. And that week turned into 10 years. And then uh, uh, <laughs> I just, it, it was in my blood and I, I couldn't leave it alone. And uh, look, across that, that 10 years in Australia, uh, a lot happened and the the club that uh again that i swam at and then was, was then coaching at went went through quite a uh, a shift and you know where it had potentially 
uh, sort of fallen down the line a little bit. It, it was really uh, regenerated in, in that time period. And uh, that was, you know, with the, the help of uh, taking the club to a point where it was incorporated into a, a high performance centre as well, you know, similar in model to uh, what Stockport Metro sort of used to be with a, a, a high, higher performing club program and a high performance uh aspect of that club program as well and that that part of the program was led by a a great mate and a great mentor of mine called Ian Pope and uh, you know we we ended up sort of working alongside each other me on the on the club side and and him on the 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 higher performance side uh, for for a number of years and that meant that I I got a a volume of exposure to uh, just some of the world's best swimmers and uh, you know that that was an incredible time an incredible time of learning for me uh, alongside my sort of academic learning, I, I had the opportunity to to practice that in in a in a, in a real world environment as well. And uh, look, you know, like I said, I, I got very very lucky. Uh, that that was just the, the situation, and you know, because of the high performance nature that the program had moved into, uh, that then offered me the opportunity to be exposed to some of the great minds in in swimming in Australia at the time, and. Uh, uh you know there were things like for for five years i uh i shared an apartment with uh uh, the guy who was the head of sports science and sports medicine for australian swimming and uh that's a guy called bernard savage at the time and uh and we we had a pool table in in our apartment and uh we'd spend many a very late night uh having a couple of beers and talking about physiology and talking about the way that swimming works and, you know, what, what might come next. And, uh, and look, it was, it was those conversations and, and the conversations that I had wider with, uh, with the, the community of coaches and, and sports scientists and, uh, and, and people around the body of swimming in Australia at the time that, that helped me to, to build my, both my, my sort of coaching models uh, and and help to, to really influence my, my coaching philosophy. And uh, uh, so anyway, the time came to uh, to decide what was next. And uh, I hadn't really thought about coming to Britain, I've got to be honest, uh, but uh, a, a chance meeting with, with a, a person at a point in time and, uh, you know, post the... Uh, Beijing Olympics in in 2008 I was on a plane and, and headed to Millfield uh, and I, I'd, I'd never well to, truth be told I, I had one swimmer in my program back in Melbourne back in the day who had actually gone to Millfield uh, and so I, I had a bit of an understanding from that person about uh, uh, what it was and you know and certainly the, the conversations that I'd had with with people around the program were uh, around what it could be and uh, uh, you know that that was very exciting for me, and uh, I, I got to Street in in Somerset. I don't know if you've ever been there, Jamie, but uh, uh, it wouldn't take you long to to, to see the whole thing because uh, <laughs> you know <clears throat> it's called Street because it's basically got one street. Uh, <laughs> And uh, you know that 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 was a culture change, uh, going from living in in the, the very heart of, of Melbourne with a population of about three and a half million people, uh, to to living in a in very much a, a rural country town in in Somerset. Uh, that that was a bit of a change, but I I absolutely loved uh, my eight or nine years at uh, at Millfield and. Uh, 
had an amazing time and I, I, I hope that I, I had a positive influence on on the program and, and left the left the shirt in a, in a slightly better place than when I picked it up and uh, uh, you know that, that's about all you can hope for and look through through the uh, various successes of people like James Guy and others uh, at uh, at Millfield I I was then able to get the opportunity to move to the National Centre and uh, that in itself has, has been an amazing experience for me uh, <clears throat> to to be in a place where you can really nut into the detail of uh, of, of high performance swimming and uh, you know really try and help people to to be high performance uh, athletes and and to get the absolute best out of themselves has been brilliant for me. So uh, that's uh, that's a bit of a windy way to to get my journey so far. <laughs> cool. Sounds like um, yeah. It sounds like you you've you come across situations where like you say back back in your home program where you were exposed to to, to great opportunities that that led you to, to where you are now so it sounds like a really exciting journey that you've been on um we're gonna, Thanks, yeah it's been good <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna talk today about um developing 200 and 400 meter freestylers just kind of off the back of the the good success you had with with james guy and and, and others during your time um, at Millfield and also at British Swimming, was the case? Was this the case of um, you coming across an athlete that led you to become quite knowledgeable on the two hundred and the four hundred, or was it the other way around? Whereas you turned those swimmers into great two hundred and four hundred swimmers. That's a good question. Uh... Look, Jamie, I, I, I absolutely believe that I learned something from every swimmer that, that I've ever had or, or at least, you know, had for, for a period of time. And, uh, you know, James and I worked together for eight or nine years. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely learned an awful lot about uh, the implementation of 200 and 400 metre swimming uh, from James. But I, I would suggest that uh, prior to that, you know, based on, on what I said just before, uh, I, I'd, I'd come to it from, a, from a, an interesting place, I suppose, for middle distance swimming. When I was a swimmer myself and, and when I was a young coach uh, in Australia, there, there were the, you know, the, the great names of middle distance yeah. swimming, Ian Thorpe and Grant Hackett and uh, uh, you know, a wealth of, of guys who were, were swimming amazingly well. You know, but back when I was swimming, uh, Michael Klim, who was the world champion on 200 free. Uh, you know, I, I swam with Mike for a long time. And uh, it, uh, you know, that, that was the point in which I, I probably fell in love with, with middle distance swimming because it was so much a part of uh, the, the, the very early stages of, of my, well, the, the later stages of my swimming life and the early stages of my, my coaching life. And, uh, you know, through, like I said, I, I was an incredibly lucky person. I was you know, probably in the right place at the right time more often than I, I probably should have been. But uh, uh, that meant that I got the opportunity to connect with uh, the, the, the people who produced those those great swimmers. You know, Doug Frost, who produced Ian Thorpe, and Dennis Cottrell, who produced Grant Hackett, and uh, John Carew, who produced Kieran Perkins. And, uh, you know, the, the, these guys who, who were the, the real... Uh, original innovators in in those events uh, and you know I, I'd say original innovators because they were the they were the, the, the cohort of people who you know probably 
moved those events from being what they had been into into you know the the foundations of, of what those events are now and uh, uh, you know th- that was an exceptional uh, learning opportunity experience for me uh, to, to, to kind of understand what uh, what drives middle distance swimming and and uh, you know the, the the, the technical, the tactical, the physiological, the, the psychological uh, components that that make up middle distance swimming and, and, you know, particularly middle distance freestyle swimming and particularly men's middle distance freestyle swimming. Uh, and the, the, there are commonalities, of course, between men's and women's in, in, in all of those events. But, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the true... Uh, definitions of, of those things were were part of my very early learning in in coaching and you know i i reflect back over uh what 20 odd years of coaching now and uh, uh and i think yeah it's it's all been a continuous learning experience you know kaizen we've got it written on our shirt yeah. uh <laughs> uh of of you know you you, you have one athlete and you, you see how they go and I, I had the, the amazing opportunity to uh to be standing on the poolside for a number of years with you know guys like Grant Hackett in the water and Massey Rossellino in the water and uh you know that these were Olympic medalists world champions world record holders in in 200 400 free uh, and uh and and just you know watch how that got put together and each one of those different athletes would have uh, different physical qualities that they brought to uh, to the event. They, you know, different genetic makeups and and different potentiation amongst their energy systems and and the whole deal. Uh, but it, it was, you know, that was really my grounding in the fundamentals of uh, delivering those events and delivering them, you know, at at all levels. You know, in the first instance, with you know, how does an age grouper do it, and, the, and then how does how does that progress, and then how does that progress, and then how does a world-class swimmer do it? And then how does a world beater do it? And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that, that's probably where I come to, to middle distance swimming from. And, you know, it's, it's a, a background that I'm incredible. I feel incredibly privileged to have had. Uh, and, and, you know, I hope that I can share that now with, uh, with, with the athletes in front of me on a day-to-day basis. And, uh, uh, and some from the past and hopefully even some from the future. <laughs> So yeah, I, th- I think you alluded to it there in terms of you know that that group of people, um, Doug Frost, Dennis Cotterill, who moved to the middle distance swimming on f- from what it was, presumably what it was before, especially with, with the four hundred was perhaps quite a quite a low intensity event, and then they moved it into a more of a um, higher intensity event. Let's just start by looking at the two hundred and the four hundred. You know what what kind of events are there? Because I think there's that you know there's always as, as an age group uh, swimmer people always think oh the 400 is, is such a far such a far distance to go uh, when in reality it's it, it's not that far at all is it no it really isn't uh, and look you know I can tell you Jamie when I was a young swimmer I thought exactly that same way like I was I was desperate to be a sprinter oh god I wanted to be a sprinter uh, and th- this is not in any way to belittle sprinters I I have you know, enormous respect for, for sprinters. I have the respect for the sprinters that I've coached and that I do currently coach. And, uh, you know, I, 
but God, God, I wanted to be one of those, but, uh, you know, I, I just wasn't, you know, I was, I was way too far down the red twitch fiber end and, uh, uh, you know, the program that I swam in was, was a massive distance program. And, you know, we, we did volume and and sprinting, which just wasn't a thing. And such was the style of the time in, uh, in, in Australia, you know, uh, the, the, and, and, you you know, I think, probably was was a product of uh, the development of those great guys that we spoke about just before uh but uh you know like like i said i, I think uh I, I think it was really in the first instance kieran perkins who who changed the nature of of the 400 free you know he was a, a 1500 meter guy and he, he came down to the 400 uh you know swam swam the 400 through his career but but came down to be really you know very good at it and then eventually world record holder in it uh by by swimming it in a way that was completely different to uh to the way that that everybody else had been swimming that event to to you know world beating standard before and where everybody else uh in the past had had gone through that sort of process of going out fast and and then just trying to hang on perkins was was an absolute even split when he uh when he set the world record back in you know the the mid nineties, uh, and you know I, I think that it was at that point that that started the revolution of uh, of of you know the, the the permutation of distance swimming. Where you you'd necessarily to that point, I would suggest had guys who you know probably had the genetic potentiation to uh, swim fifties and hundreds, and and so probably stuck at fifties and hundreds. And you had guys you know probably a little bit like me who had the genetic potentiation to swim. 15s and you know 800s which hadn't really been invented yet but uh uh you know that that was that was kind of where, where you set yourself and then if, if you couldn't do either of those two things you were a 200 400 meter swimmer uh, whereas you know that that was the point you know in that mid 90s period where where people started to transcend you sort of started to see people come up from the 100 to the 200 and you started to see guys like perkins come down from the 15 to the four and uh you know that that really started the that emphasis of of how to swim the event with with backhand speed and uh look you know i I saw a thing from thorpey pretty recently where he he, you know criticized everybody in world swimming for uh for doing it the wrong way and uh uh he said you know nobody's got the guts to 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 go out for it anymore like you know the, the the two people of of uh relatively recent time who have done it the way that Thorpey was talking about were have been James Guy and uh, uh, Clyde Lewis from Australia. Uh, Clyde in, in the semi-final at uh, uh, Guangzhou went out, uh, you know, well, certainly the fastest I've ever seen anybody go out in uh, in in the, the 200 free and, and, you know, somehow managed to hang it on for, uh, for a 144, which, which is, you know, pretty good. But, you take that in context, the fact that the world record's one forty two zero zero, and uh, okay, that's in a, you know, an, in a in a uh, magic suit, and with you know Paul Biederman, who uh, was himself an, an extraordinary exponent of two hundred and four hundred freestyle swimming prior to the suit era, uh, but was was probably you know very well serviced given his body type and shape uh, by by the suits coming in, and you know. You then premised that by saying, you know, ten years before that, Thorpey probably had a relatively similar suit and and a relatively similar 
level of, of potentiation. And, uh, you know, it, it's uh, for, for me, you know, it, that that's where that's where 200 and 400 meter swimming is at the moment uh, is, you know, the 400, you, you've got to be able to finish that. Uh, and, you know, I, I know that's not possible for uh, for every type of swimmer. And, uh, you know, look, I, I go back to, to James Guy and uh, all, you know, all of his best swims, if you if you took his fastest ever swim, which is still the British record, I think, uh, and his next fastest and his next fastest and his next fastest, they, they were all out incredibly fast, uh, you know, near enough to crazy fast. Uh, and, you know, that, uh, but, but he was able to, to finish it off in, in a type of way. But then, you know, it, that, that got him to, to 3.43 and a bit. Uh, but to get into the 3.42s, the 3.41s and the 3.40s, uh, all the guys who, who have been able to be in that kind of area in the last few years have, have done it on, again, a near even split, uh, if not a negative split. And, uh, you know, you see that, that they're all the guys like Mac Horton, who came down from 1500, Sun Yang, eh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's just, let's just say Sun Yang, uh, <laughs> who, who came down from 1500 and who knows what else. Uh, uh, and you know, like uh, Patroneri is swimming fast. Deddy is swimming fast uh, on on 400 free, and you know that they're all the guys coming down from 15 to, to get that, and all swimming it as as a back end speed event, and you know, uh, pushing towards that, you know, pushing up the what I would suggest is the aerobic contribution of of swimming that that 400 meter event, whereas. In the 200, you see more and more guys who, you know, have a, a really fast 100, uh, like Duncan Scott and, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the cohort in and around the success in, in the 200 free, you know, Clyde Lewis, for example, uh, who, who have very fast 100-meter times and, you know, probably uh, would be considered world-class in 100 alongside the 200 uh and and they're the guys who are featuring on the podium in uh in the 200 now at, at world-class level and you know i i think i am very feel privileged to to have been starting out my sort of thought journey on this at, at the time where where that was starting to occur and that that transition was starting to happen and uh yeah it's it 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 pleases and astounds me every time I see somebody do it in a slightly different way uh, because it means that we can kind of go back to our physiological drawing board and say, hey, all right, how did that person get that done? Uh, and that's, that's exciting. And, you know, the, the coaching world goes abuzz when, when, uh, when you see any of those things and, you know, getting text messages in the middle of the night and the whole deal. And, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. So that, that's kind of where I see it at the moment. So we, you spoke there just, just briefly about the kind of the contribution of uh, your aerobic balance within, within the events. Now we're kind of looking at the 200 meter event being more of something that people from 100 might step up to do and the 400 meter one being from people where 1500 and 800 might step down in, into a four. Where does the kind of the balance between the aerobic and the anaerobic work lie in terms of when you're designing a training program for those events? Yeah, another good question. Uh, look, I mean, I, I think 
one of the things that I, I was that I learned very early on in uh, my coaching life centered around uh, middle distance swimming uh, was that it's incredibly important to get the right balance of the energy systems for, for each of those events and you know that it's the you know if we, if we talk about the three predominant energy systems and, and their contributions uh, get, getting that balance right for 200 getting that balance right for 400 is is extremely important but the the, the thing I, I probably learned that that has served me very very well uh, in the very early days of, of my coaching and you know learned from from absolute physiological gurus like uh, Bob Trafine and and others who, who were working in in Australia at the time uh, was to not necessarily look at the energy systems in isolation but to look at the way that the energy systems can coexist with each other within the potentiation of the race uh, and you know thinking about how how do you get that mitochondrial transfer from energy system one to energy system two to energy system three how can they interrelate how can they work with each other within the structure of a race uh, of 200 free 400 free uh, to, to recycle energy back into uh, points and functions in the race where, where you know you need to change pace or you need to change speed or uh, you know this area requires more kick that area requires more pull uh, I mean, to, to, I want to I want to give more specific answers. So I mean, quite quite specifically, uh, you know, from, from my perspective, and you know, of course, the uh, the physiological jury spreads this information fairly wide, and so you know, I think it's a each coach's prerogative to to work out the roadmap that that they think they should use. But for two hundred freestyle, you know, the the contribution of phosphagen is is going to be around about 15 percent and the glycolytic contribution is going to be around about 50 percent and the aerobic contribution is going to be around about 35 percent uh for you know as my model would would sit for, for that event and then you know if you take that into the 400 free you know your your phosphogenic effect is is slightly lower 10 percent perhaps uh your uh, glycogenic uh, contribution is slightly lower also you know maybe around 30 percent and your aerobic contribution is obviously significantly higher uh, 60 percent or, or so uh, and using those type of figures that's how I would put together the physiological roadmap for for my swimmers swimming middle distance events is to ensure that uh, in, in each week, in each cycle, in, in the macro cycle, in the micro cycle, in the micro cycle units where uh, we're getting, you know, that type of balance in, in the training program to have around about 15% of ATPPC type work, around about 35% of aerobic work for the 200 focus kind of guys, around about 50% of, of, you know, glycolytic or, or anaerobic type work for uh for, for those 200 meter guys and then you know 10 percent 30 percent and 60 percent respectively for the uh for the for the more 400 meter guys then yeah you know, again I, I would premise that to say that uh you know certainly the cohort of guys that i've got at the moment who swim 
400 free, uh, probably do it as a, as a come down event. You know, I got a, a guy whose main event's 1500, but swims down to four. I got a guy whose main event's 800, swims down to four. Uh, but I, I got a couple of guys whose main events are hundred and swim up to 200. Uh, and then I got a, a couple of guys who only swim 200. So, you know, I got a beautiful mix right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> very lucky. I told you, I'm a very lucky guy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, look, uh, to, to my mind, that, that's where those contributions interact. But uh, from a programming perspective, uh, like I said, it's, it's, not, it's, it's identifying as a coach that we need 15% of the ATP, PC part, 35% of the aerobic part, and 50% of the glycolytic part for those 200-meter guys. But it's also making sure that if we, you know, if we drew that as a Venn diagram, that we're actively encouraging those energy systems to connect to each other and and yeah. dealing with the the little part that, that's in between uh which is you know from from a seasonal planning perspective uh that's where i, I think for for 200 400 meter people it's it's a fractionally less linear uh periodized plan in in any particular year there has to be some blending that that occurs between uh, you know, particularly in between the aerobic and, and glycolytic well, anaerobic energy systems uh, at, at various points in time so that the, the two can interface with each other. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's where I kind of think you get the gold from. So when you talk about there, that those kind of um, anaerobic and the aerobic systems kind of crossing over within, within a session, would that be, and give us an example of how you might, put that into a, a little block of work? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I would, I would, I, I'd call it a hybrid set. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, I, I kind of got that name off the cars that have electricity and petrol, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so look, so something like that would be, uh, you know, we're looking for those sets that, that will help to push up that MCT4 type uh, behavior within the body and, and that, that transfer of, of, you know, mitochondrial energy from one energy system to the other energy system. And to, to get that, you know, you can, you can cycle it both ways. So you can go fast work into slightly slower work, you know, like a classic clearance set. Uh, just as a, as a random example, maybe uh, 250s at 200 meter back end speed, uh, then 100 at at 200 meter back end speed. You know, on on a longer rest period, and then maybe three to five 100s afterwards that that are descending out to to clear the uh, blood lactic acid that would have been produced during uh, during the, the first set of repeats. And you know, you've got 200 meters of quality there. You've got three to 500 meters of of uh, clearance-based work and so you know you might be able to repeat that set twice maybe three times for some people uh for you know senior elite trained athletes blah 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 everybody's different and that's probably yeah. not the best age group set in the whole wide world <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know structure back uh but you know that that, that would be the way of, of cycling it forward alternatively you know to to and you know again stuff that i, I got from uh bob trafine's work back in the day but to to really create the, the pathway for mct4 to travel forward 
it needs to be the other way around. So it needs to be the potentiation coming from aerobic into, you know, very low level, i.e. anaerobic threshold, uh, uh, lactic production work, maybe one, two, three at the absolute most millimole of blood lactic acid uh, in, in the blood system, and then transferring that into, uh, you know, uh, higher intensity work, glycolytic work. So to use the exact same example from the exact same set, it would just be flipping those two things on their head. Uh, and instead of ascending out the hundreds, you'd descend the hundreds in, uh, and then you take it again, you know, you could go the hundred and then the two fifties and you'd probably get a better result from that. Or you could go the two fifties and the hundred and you'd get a, you know, an, an equal variant. Uh, you could uh, certainly in, in my world and, and again, come from a place of great privilege. Uh, you know, we have every instrument that you could possibly imagine to, uh, to monitor that and to see whether that is having the desired physiological effect on, on swimmers. But, you know, simply enough, you can, you could run that set a couple of times uh, at the appropriate points in the season with the appropriate group of people. Uh, and, and, you know, then just translate that immediately into racing. So the next race you see that's, that's 200 freestyle, did you see that, that transference of, uh, you know, depending on the way that you were trying to process the set, did you see it transferring forward or did you see it transferring backwards? And uh, if that was the desired result, hey, you know, you've done that well. Stuff so that, that type of work we were talking about there, you know, it's some some of that stuff can be can be pretty tough. So your your efforts where you're, you're really going going for it can, can be pretty tough. It's not really for the for the faint-hearted. What what needs to be considered from a mental side of things for athletes to try and uh, embark on that journey towards towards the the two and the four hundred? Does it take someone someone special to get stuck into that kind of work? Yeah, it. It, it takes somebody who's who's not afraid to get hurt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's for sure. Uh, but look, it's uh, the the conversations I have with uh, with with my swimmers who who swim those events. Uh, uh, that it's it's a combination of approaching the event by being hard and being smart. Uh, if, if you're only one of those two things, you're going to uh, overperform in, in the early part of the race or you're going to underperform in the early part of the race uh, and the race is going to be over before you, before you know it. Uh, so, you know, we have conversations on a, on a session by session micro unit uh, basis in, in the training environment to say, hey, this part of what we're doing now is about getting hard. Uh, and that might be, you know, uh, we, we, we go El Clasico, which is, uh, 3100s, you know, anaerobic threshold work. Uh, we, we do it every single Friday night and, you know, all eight of my guys do it every single Friday night. Uh, and you know, the guys who swim hundreds, they do it. And the guys who swim 200s do it, fours, eights, fifteens, everybody. It's, it's the one time in the week where we all come together and, and you know, genuinely do the same thing. And you know, it's, it's based on some, some good individual physiology. So, uh, you know, we'll have two outpoint, output points in, in every week uh, where we'll be monitoring, you know, where's this person's aerobic conditioning level at? Where's this person's level of speed at? Uh, you know, at, particularly if we're in a, you know, a, a more polarised point in the in the training cycle uh 
we want to have information about both of those things. And we want that information to be specific to the person. Uh, but that's just an opportunity to go, right, uh, my physiological data from this week tells me that I should be uh, holding, you know, for the first 15 of these things, I should be holding 59 seconds short course. And for the, the second 15, I should be holding 57 seconds short course because that's within my physiological range. Of course, different for every person. Uh, uh but you know that's where that's at and you know you you see the guys who uh who, who get that and they come in and they go right i gotta go 15 59s and i gotta go 15 57s and they do it and uh you know some of them will come in and go 15 58s and then 15 56s and uh it's it's that's where you've got to as a coach you know work out is that hard and is that smart? Uh, is it hard? Yeah, sure it's, it's hard. Uh, you know, the, the per you've, you've said to the person, here's your physiological range, and they've come in and gone better than that. Okay, that's probably going to create some sort of training adaptation. Uh, they're probably going to get something physiological from that. But is it the thing that I as a coach and that person as an athlete needed to get from that? Is it the smart selection? Uh, because you know did did that take them out of their their physiological range did it did it take them too far uh again i come from an incredibly privileged position where we can monitor that very closely and uh you know i can say hey i can see what you're trying to do i can see you're trying to win the set and hey i, I, I i'm all for that sometimes but uh sometimes i'm also like no that's that's not it because uh you're going to get something different to what you need and what I want. And that's not going to work out. Uh, you know, that, that's, that, that's one aspect of it. Uh, the other aspect of it is, is just ensuring that you get the balance of, of work uh, and, and, you know, owning the fact that, that each of the different energy systems play an integral role in the performance of, 200 meter and 400 meter events uh, it, it you get the guys you know the, the more white fiber fast twitch guys who uh who you know they love their speed they love their anaerobic sets they you know they'll they'll, they'll go high velocity overload all day no problem uh and and that's great and then you stick them on anything aerobic and it's uh you know it's it's a whole other story uh it's it's just you know it ain't pretty to watch they don't want to do it but you know it's it's there for an important reason uh then you get the guys down the other end of the scale you know the red twitcher the slow twitch uh who you know can come to it and they they, they couldn't buy any speed you know they can't buy <laughs> race days uh until they're absolutely rested and you know you get it absolutely right and and then they can deliver you know amazing things but they, they probably have to wait 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 to get it uh, and you know but those guys will eat up the aerobic work and uh then you, you get up you know the the race pace stuff they're probably all right and then you go to anything faster than that and you know, they got no chance like just no chance and you know a few of the guys who, who go in and smell the gym you know and come back and that's that it's finished you know <laughs> uh, but again they're, they're guys who, who need that and uh, i think that's definitely something that that we learned really clearly in the lockdown period uh you know where our guys for an extended period of time didn't have any access to uh 
that I mean that they could do all the body weight stuff and they could do the circuits and they could do the uh, the uh, you know general conditioning stuff, get on a bike, go on a rower, uh, you know, a few guys like going out on kayaks and paddle boards and whatever uh, to to kind of get a little bit of you know aerobic content in, into that. Uh, not swimming specific, but still something. Uh, and the, the, they all came back, and I got to say, they came back looking amazing, like you know, proper, incredible shape. Uh, we, we didn't have the opportunity to do things like skin folds and uh, even weigh-ins or anything like that. But uh, just you know, my coach's eye, I'm just looking and thinking, hey, these guys look incredible. But the the, the counterpoint is, and then, you know, they, they could swim and they're all up high in the water. And a, a lot of it, of course, you know, being the fact that they were just so joyed to be back in the water and, and, you know, you, you can understand that I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, we looked and we're like, Hey, you know, have we been getting this wrong? Should, should we be, should we be going down like the, you know, the, the sort of old school Japanese path of, of uh, only body weight and only circuit and only conditioning and blah, blah. That, that has changed a little bit now, but it, you know, it's the, the older way to do it. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we had to helicopter out of that and go, well, yeah, look, we could do that and we could be better in every training session now, uh, but would we get the significant drop at the end of the season for, for those guys who, who potentiate that way? Uh, and you know that we couldn't get an answer that said yes so uh so we're back in the gym picking up everything <laughs> so i just want to just want to talk quickly about te- uh, the tactical aspect of of those events before just cover quickly uh, the technical aspects of it uh you spoke about uh, how ian Thorpe went on a podcast not too long ago saying that everyone's swimming the 200 freestyle uh wrong H- how do you think it should be should be swung Jamie, it's it's as individual as, as you and I are individuals. <laughs> uh, you know, I I I can say back uh, only a couple of years ago, I, I had uh, you know basically everybody in my group swam two hundred free. Uh, that that was just kind of how it was, and you know, varying levels. There was one guy who was like a one forty five guy, and then there was a one forty six guy, and a one forty seven guy, and a one forty eight guy, and uh you know it's kind of like hey everybody can take one step forward that would be great uh (laughs) but but every single one of them uh were 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 different in the way that they put it together and you know that that comes from from an understanding of uh a person's physiology and and really being able to, to nut into that and you know we've we've had uh certainly i've had guys who uh who have been amazing back end swimmers uh, on on the two free on the on the four free and uh, you know guys who uh, and you know up the eight free the fifteen free uh, guys who who can genuinely put together world beating last fifties or hundreds or one fifties two hundreds whatever uh, but. They, they don't have the, the, the natural speed to, to go through that, that first 200, 150, whatever, uh, in, in, in that kind of way that, that they could be competitive at a world-class level. And uh, so it's, it's about finding that, that tuning point for, for, uh, 
for, for working it out. But, you know, when, uh, when I coached a, a much larger group of people uh, back in the day, and, and when I say coached, I mean, you know, helped others to coach people. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you need some, some broader ways of, of, of explaining it. And, uh, you know, the, the models that, that I would often uh, work with much younger swimmers uh, who, who are looking at, you know, your, your 10 to 13 year old type people. Uh, we, we talk about both the two and the four and, you know, talk about the two in fifties and talk about the four in hundreds. And we, we, I would quite literally use the, the, the acronym TALK, uh, T-A-L-K. Uh, T, technique. Uh, you know, if it's your first 50 or your 100, then hold the best technique that, that you can uh, because you know, that will hopefully hold back your physiology a little bit or hold back your contribution. Uh, the second 50 or 100, think about arms, A for arms. Uh, so how are you connecting with the water in the, the second 50 or the second 100? Third 50, L for legs, start to, start to build on the legs, start to use the back, the, the, the rear engine of, uh, of, of what you can do. And K in the last uh, 50 or 100, K for kick, kick like crazy. Uh, <laughs> T-A-L-K, technique, arms, legs, kick. Uh, and look, you know, I mean, you could, I, I challenge you to watch any uh, senior international final and see if anybody does it any different way. But uh, there'll always be one or two outliers. But you know, most people, it's it's that's pretty much the way to get it done. Uh, I, I had the great uh, privilege way back uh, to spend some time with Duncan Armstrong, who was the Olympic champion in the two hundred free uh, in 84, 88, I don't know, somewhere there. Uh, and you know, that that's. From a from a tactical perspective of, of delivering the event, you know, whenever I take on a new uh, two hundred meter swimmer, regardless of the event, really, uh, maybe not breaststroke, but I never really have any breaststrokers, so you know, uh, you know, I'll I'll sit down with them and we, we watch that that two hundred freestyle. Uh, I honestly can't remember if it's eighty four, eighty eight, but it's one of the two. Uh, and there's Duncan and, you know, he's, you've got Matt Biondi in there. You've got, uh, you know, the, the, in, across the eight lanes of, uh, of, of that, that swim, you've got the current world record holder, the former Olympic champion, uh, the fastest guy in the world at the moment. You've got uh, two guys who, who have been Olympic champion in other events. And, and then you've got this guy, Duncan Armstrong, who's basically never done anything ever before. Uh, you know, that, that's pretty much it. And, and he and his, his coach, Laurie Lawrence, had, uh, had strategized this thing to say, hey, look, you're probably going to end up in, uh, in, in this situation where you're coming up against these guys who are just unbelievably good. Uh, so you know it's it's up to you, and there, there are all sorts of stories about how they prepared for that, and Laurie Lawrence stories. You, you could do a, another whole podcast on uh, on Laurie Lawrence stories. But uh, anyway, like you, you know, this guy had done the work. There's no doubting that that he had worked hard to get to the place that he was, and uh, he turns up in the heat of of this turn of free, and it was back in the day where it was only heat and final, no Sammy. Uh, and, and, you know, he just gets all in in the heat because uh, he knows that if he can get anywhere near the centre of the pool, uh, you know, 
any, any basically anywhere other than one or eight, then then he's a sniff uh, because he's he's going to work it tactically from from that point in time. And they'd evaluated everybody else and how they were going to put it together. And uh, so he goes all in in the heat and you know huge best time and makes uh, lane six I think for the final and uh, that's great. He's got Beyondy right next to him. Beyondy had like the best kick, the best freestyle kick of anyone ever you know really uh thorpey may be pretty good but uh beyondy was was you know other level and 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 for, for his time you know other level and uh you know the, the, this guy duncan knew that and uh so you, you see the start of the race and it, and it goes you know take your marks go and duncan basically misses the start uh i would suggest quite deliberately uh, and Beyondy goes in and he goes in sort of just a fraction of a second after and gets right on up on that <laughs> lane road. And uh, he, he's from there on it, he's got a ticket to ride. And uh, he's he, you know, this guy Duncan is Australian guy, you know, grown up with surf culture and you know, body surfing and all that. And uh, he is just in the wave of, of this guy doing absolutely no work whatsoever. And uh, he stays there for 75 meters. And then the, the middle 50 of that 200, he, he just starts to pick it up a little bit because he's, you know, he's, he's been, he's had no energy. He's, he's still probably got all his ACPPC left, you know? Uh, and so he, he makes a little shift up in that, that middle 50 because he knew that this guy's definitely going to be able to finish. And, uh, uh, takes that for 50 and then gets to the last 75 and he just goes, you know, like proper goes and, and wins this thing, you know, uh, sucks beyond the in on the turn, uh, the last turn, like sucks him onto the wall so that he can't turn and get around fast. And uh, it's, it's the, for, to my end, it's the ultimate tactical expression of, of that event being swum. Uh, so yeah, I, I take, I, I, I take a lot from that, you know, when, if I'm talking to uh, somebody who's, who's probably starting out a little bit on their journey of, of 200 meter swimming, we, we talk about that idea of 75, 50 and 75, uh, you know, 75 meters of, of uh, setting it up, 50 meters of, of making your move and then 75 meters of, of, of getting tough. You know, you can qualify that into be, be smart, be, be a great swimmer and then be hard as hell. And, uh, you know, you get those three things together and, and you've got a pretty good combination. Uh, the, the 400, you know, look, uh, if I take on a new 400 meter person, uh, we'll, we'll start from the back of the race and, and work forward. Uh, so, you know, my, my first interest and the first time I see them go out and swim will be how fast can you swim the last hundred? Uh, and, and what's the total time? And then the next time it will be how fast can you swim the next the last 200? And what's the total time? How fast can you swim the last 300? And what's the total time? Uh, and then any number of iterations of, of that, uh, you know, for, for that person, does it need to be 200, 200? Does it need to be 150, 250? Does it need to be 250, 150? Uh, you know, how, how are they going to swim that? Uh, but you know, based on on the, the same set of fundamentals, uh, you know, set it up technically, take it under your arms, conserve the legs, and then kick like crazy at the end because you don't never see anybody finish a four hundred free who's not kicking like crazy. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs>
Awesome. So just want to finish real quick with um, some technical aspects. You know, there's loads of different ways to swim freestyle. You've got your straight arm, you've got your hybrid, you've got your high elbow, nice technical stroke. Which, which one of these do you think just lends itself a little bit more to, to the types of events we've been talking about today? Yeah, the, the three-quarter three catch-up freestyle, you know, the, the, the Aussie freestyle, I suppose. You yeah. know, people have been telling me for the last 12 years that I coach Aussie freestyle. I'm, I'm sure that's a compliment. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe. I, I, I'd like to think that at some point in time it'll become British freestyle, but, uh, you know, I, I suppose I've probably got a while to wait yet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but that the... Mechanics of, of three-quarter catch-up uh, seem to lend themselves very well to, to 200 free and 400 free. Uh, you know, probably slightly more to, to 400 free, and, and it's, it's a slightly more polarised catch-up for, for 200 free, but I would suggest it's only fractional. Uh, so, you know, with that, what you're thinking about is... Uh, the arm that's going in on the non-breathing side. So, you know, if you're breathing right, we're talking about the left arm. That needs to uh, create its catch position in the second and third quartile of the stroke. Whereas the arm on your breathing side, um, again, if you're breathing to the right, then it's uh, your right arm. As that goes into the water, because of the fact that it's going to have a, a longer period of time to be in place, you want to try and catch that one in the first and second, first or second quarter of the, uh, the the catch positioning. But if you're able to manage that, you know that one. Let's assume it's your right uh, is connecting in that first and second, and the other one's connecting in the third or fourth. Uh, that gives you the, the rhythm to be able to swim the stroke. Uh, once you've got a rhythm available to you to, to swim the stroke, you can integrate the kick into that rhythm. Once you've integrated the kick into the rhythm, you've got an opportunity to be able to change pace, gear, speed uh, w within a race. And, you know, particularly for the 400 metre people, we know that that's how it has to be. Uh, and for the, the 200 metre people, you know, it's, it's, it's both finding that rhythm, but then finding a way to best express that rhythm by evaluating what's your distance per stroke or distance per stroke cycle, uh, what's your stroke rate, can we increase stroke rate without a change to distance per stroke cycle? Or if that changes distance per stroke cycle, uh, which one of those variables is more appropriate for you to therefore produce speed? Uh, so from a, a technical aspect, that's, that's where I'm, I'm looking. Of course, you know, you've got to be a great turner. Uh, uh, I, I look at someone like Mac Horton, who, uh, you know, in, in 2015, probably wasn't the best turn protagonist in the world uh, and and just went to work on that. And you look at his turns in 2016 and that they were amazing. Uh, you know, the, 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 uh, clearly things like turns, uh, if you've developed that skill and if it's something that you're focused on, the output of, of what you can get in a 400 is, is dramatically increased. Uh, and you know, in a in a two hundred, that the, the skill quotient of, of the turn becomes a tactical element as well. You know, you look at uh, Ryan Lochte and, and others over the years who have experimented with uh, with, with different styles of turn in, in a two hundred uh, to to excellent effect. And so, you know, that that becomes 
both a, a skill and a tactical uh, element to that. You, you got to take a look at uh, the hypoxic quality of, of what's happening in and around turns. Uh, you know, are you a person who is an excellent protagonist of underwater fly kick, in which case, you know, you, you might have to deal with the hypoxic cost of that. Uh, are you not necessarily particularly good at that, in which case the increased hypoxic cost is uh, has a negative effect on your overall performance? And, yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> cool. Well, I've, uh, I've really enjoyed talking to you today about, about middle distance freestyle. Um, certainly a lot in there for me to kind of unpack when I go away from this interview. I just want to finish um, with a, a bit of a quick fire thing. Uh, we always ask our guests to kind of sum up their topic in, in three key points. So what would be your quick fire top three points for developing uh, world-class middle distance freestyle swimmers? Uh, point one, physiological, look at the space in between the energy systems. Uh, point two, technical, uh, you know, the, if you can find the right shape to, to swim, you are going to be a better swimmer. Uh, and, you know, every, every shape you make in the water times it by three, uh, and, and that's the volume of resistance. So the, the smaller, the better uh, in, in that area. Number three, yeah, be be prepared to do the work for it. Uh, you know, go all in because if if you're going to be the best in the world, if you're going to compete with the best in the world, then then there's no half measures. Go all in. Absolutely, awesome, Joel. Thank thank you very much for your time today. Um, pleasure to speak to you. And like I say, lots for me to unpack after this uh, after this conversation. Thank you very much. Beauty, Jamie. Good on you, mate. Take care. Cheers. So if you enjoyed that episode there with Joel talking about 200 and 400 meter freestylers, um, please make sure you share it with uh, other coaches within your network. Um, I want to get this, uh, these podcasts out to as many coaches as possible, um, especially as we head into it to a second lockdown, uh, especially in England. Um, and make sure you check out our social media. Um, we're at the Poolside Pass on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, our website, www the poolsidepass.com. Until next time, take care.